You are listening to The Great Light Podcast, a resource aimed at building up the body of Christ and engaging the lost. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support this program and the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There, you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast. Nicole, thank you for uh, being willing to come on and, and share your story with us today. Absolutely. No problem. How long were you a member of the World Mission Society Church of God? And then how long ago did you leave? I was first introduced in March of 2007 and I got baptized um, on March 8th of 2007. And then I was consistently going through 2010. And then we transferred out of the branch that I was baptized into. There was a branch um, that was located up where I was living at that time. So then I was transferred into that branch up in the upper Northern Los Angeles County. And so I was there through, um, we were there from 2012 till 2016, I believe is when I had kind of backed off. I believe it was 2016 I had backed off because I think the first Passover that I didn't keep was in 2017. And that's when all this stuff started to transpire. So at that point, I just, I couldn't, because if my faith and belief was doubting at that point, I felt that there was the purpose of keeping it was, would have been hypocritical. So you've been out then for about three, three years. Um, I'd still been in contact and I did attend the branch up here. Uh, long story short, when I had met, when I moved out here in 2019, I'm now in New Mexico. When I moved out here in 2019, I was talking with one of my friends and she had mentioned, we were just going on our backstories about religion and where we came from. And I told her, you know, I was attending a church and uh, the philosophy or theology behind it was that we believed in God, the mother. And she's like, wait. And she started saying, do they believe in this? Do they believe in this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I met a girl here. Um, she approached me in Walmart and she was talking about God, the mother. And I'm like, do you have her information by chance? And she's like, yeah, let me go ahead and find it. She had contacted me. So she gave it to me. Sure enough, there was a house church here um, in this particular area. It was only not even a quarter mile away from me, which was the closest in relation to any of them that I've ever been at. So I was there, I went to one. And so after that, basically I really, once I started to, can't say it started doubt, that doubt had already come into place back in 2016. But after that one uh, meeting uh, here in 2019, when I went to a Tuesday service, then I just completely had backed off and I didn't even choose to, at that moment, um, look at anything online. I just really wanted to know if I was sure that I was, I doubt. And I just knew I couldn't, I didn't believe anymore from the information I had been given. Then at that point, if I made that, I was determined in that decision, then I felt okay that I could go ahead. And as you know, and you've heard that if we were to look at anything online, then we would be participating in eating from the knowledge or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So basically at that point, I'm like, okay, I need to look into this. So that was a couple weeks back, honestly, when I finally decided to uh, look into this and how it all got started is I was looking for their services online. I was looking for the website. Then I saw that there was a whole bunch of services. Well, when I was looking for them, is when I came across, I want to say it was Mike Winger's video. And then I came across uh, a couple of the websites that I don't even know the main name for the one that most. Examining the WMSCOG.com probably. Yeah. Yeah. I came across that. And at that point I started, um, I just started looking into it because I had sat up 
the night before I just woke up in the middle of the night and I sat up and I started praying and I was like, God, please, you know, I'm sick of in the world that we're living in with all of the chaos and all of the destruction and everything that's taking place. It's like, I feel like we're being lied to in our physical lives. I feel like, like I've been deceived and been lied to in my spiritual life. And I'm like, I just want to know the truth. And I'm like, I want to know. And so at that moment, after I had prayed and I was just like, I really want to have a relationship with you. I really want to know you. And um, I just want the truth. So after my prayer, I got up and I grabbed my Bible and I opened it up and I'm like, wherever it lands, I'm going to read. And I opened it up and it opened up to uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 13 and 14. And so I'd started reading that. And at that moment, basically the verses uh, stated that if you pray and seek me with an earnest heart or seek me earnestly, then I will find you and you will pray to me and I will hear you. Something that sticks out to me about that is that you, you were in a place of what I would just say is like humility where you were, you were genuinely sincerely wanting the truth. And I think it's, it's so difficult for, for so many people and for, for just for me, for anybody to get to that point where I think we get so comfortable with our own belief systems, with what, um, what we've been raised with or what we've been uh, become accustomed to as far as our, our theological views or any views, but uh, it's, it's hard to get to a place where you're actually willing to think outside of that box, to question those things because it's uncomfortable. And it means that you have to start making, maybe, maybe it's, it's, it might affect your life. It might affect the people that you are, your friends with and that are close to you. It might affect those relationships. And so, to start asking those questions, I think it's a big deal. But biblically speaking, like I feel like that's we have to come to that place of like that humble, that humble heart that's where you're a sincere seeker of truth. I think if I could back up and reference, like I said, I came in in 2007, and from there, you know, I was going consistently, and I'm not saying that I attended every third day. Um, had been able to make it to even every feast, even within that first year, because I hadn't really studied the feast and really um, the complete doctrine altogether. Um, I was learning a lot as I went and I studied a lot, but still, I'm not saying that I had attended every single Sabbath service or even every single Sabbath. Um, At that time, when I was first introduced, I came in, I was going to college full-time, which is where I was at when they approached me. I was at I was in the midst of midterms and they approached me. And so on top of working full-time, going to school full-time and the only days that I had off, which, you know, it depended, I really had to make, I had to change my schedule and make room for all this to fit in. So I would actually tell my work this evening, I'm going to be, I'm going to take my lunch break and I'm going to go to third day service. And my work accommodated that because they were awesome like that when, no matter what the person's faith was, the company I was working for tried to accommodate other people's beliefs and did the best they could. And I was even able to work it out where I worked every day, but Saturday. So um, I really worked or made it work around my schedule and fit it in. And I was, uh, yeah, I put a lot of time in at the beginning, studied a lot, even if I was exhausted, tired. Um, as years went on, like I said, we transferred. And then when 2016 rolled around, you know, it's like I started tapering off and then I had a couple of the previous members, they had already left and they contacted me and were telling me their experiences and the things that they came to know. And I didn't want to act hastily. And I believed them for what they were saying was true. It was true for them, but because I didn't really want to dive in because according to to my faith at that time, if I were to choose to start looking into this and say, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that this to me was my spirituality at stake. I'd rather sit in my doubt and not go there because if this is the truth, then I've just flushed my, I guess my spiritual life completely down the toilet. I didn't want to, I didn't, not that I didn't want to know the truth, but the fact is, is that this is what I knew. I wasn't uh, well-versed and didn't have a lot of, um, 
experience with a Bible-based church in the past. And I seeked right. that when they came to me and being able to finally say, really crack open the Bible and look at things within the Old Testament and New Testament, I guess I could say I became really zealous and in awe of the fact, you know, just watching. It's like when you go to a Cirque du Soleil show and you're watching these people that are well-performed and they've been, they've been training and it's like, wow, you're in awe. In the same way, the way that you were taught and we study, you're, yeah, I saw them, you know, going back and forth from the Old Testament and New Testament, and I didn't have those right. experiences. So um, you you had friends that were, were, were they believers that were kind of challenging some of the things that you were believing in? No, they were previous members of this uh, denomination. Okay, of this. so they were previous, previous members. The WMSCOG. And they were kind of coming to you, trying to tell you some of the issues with it. And you're saying that, and you were, and you were kind of, you were kind of out of fear of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and dying spiritually out of that fear. You were kind of avoiding listening to them or, or, or hearing what they had to say. Yeah. I believed it to be true for them, but I felt that I was okay with their decision and I need to honor the fact that they chose to um, separate themselves and exit the WMSCOG. And I took it at face value for what it was, but I had already seen back in 2010 when I'd say like the exodus of the first wave when at that point, I believe they had finally came in contact with that website. Again, the one that you referenced to that I cannot yeah. tell you examining the WMSCOG.com. <laughs> we'll, we'll just keep giving it that plug. So I think that they had finally, maybe this was their reference. And I think that that website might've still been in its infancy. And of course we were not supposed to go look yet. If we needed to, what I was kind of felt funny felt that was funny is if we wanted to find out something historically even though we had evidence books, if I wanted to look at something else, then we could go ahead and reference that. But I, at this point, I know the reason, of course, they don't want you to go onto the internet and look it up is because you would come across it. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. at that point, start looking. Well, now, it, today, I went on there last night just to type in World Mission Society Church of God, and you'll see that Google or YouTube even, all of their videos come up. So I know somebody's putting in some time seriously going mm -hmm. into the websites because the most, the whatever comes up at the top, you know, the most highly populated ones, they're getting a lot of views. Right. So go back kind of to that night you woke up and and read that, read that scripture that um, you turned to it or it came to your mind or... I sat up in the middle of the night, I woke up. And things have been on my mind because of everything that's going on within the United States. And you could just see from what's going on that, you know, the end times are approaching. So, of course, at this point, knowing that. I guess bottom line is I want to have a relationship with God. I want that to be resolved and healed. And I want to know the truth. And I, in essence, I do not want to go to hell. <laughs> you know, so I understand that it's like. I had put my faith in that completely on the back burner, but after feeling like I'd been burned, I was worn out and I have doubts. It's like almost getting out of a bad relationship where you've been deceived and to have to put my faith and walk into another church or whatever I choose to do, it's starting a whole new relationship again. So I had to take a breather. But at that point, I'm desperate to like, I want to have that relationship with God. So for whatever reason, waking up in the middle of the night, I just sat up and I start praying. When I, after the prayer, I just grabbed my Bible. I opened it. I just opened it up. I didn't say, oh, I'm looking at Jeremiah or Psalms. I just wanted to be led wherever it did. And it came, it opened up to Jeremiah chapter 29. And I put my finger down. And I was at verse uh, 13 and it said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I backed up and I'm like, let's see what this says. And it says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and 
Come and pray to me and I will listen to you. I understand that I'm just taking a verse and there's, I had to have to back up to the beginning of the chapter where it's talking about a letter to the exiles. But in that moment, I felt that that was God at least responding that he heard my prayer. Yeah. The Bible has so much to say about the humble person, the person whose heart is humbled. And, and I think what that means is that you're just, I think going back to, you're just coming to that place where you, you are, you're kind of, you realize what you are and what you're not. You realize that I, I need something more than myself. You know, I, I, I need something else outside of me, beyond me, something that this world can offer it. And you, just that humility of reaching out to God and, and and letting go of the pride, whatever pride. I think even even the past wounding and hurt we can have from prior religious experiences can lead almost to this prideful sense of and this attitude of like, well, I'm just kind of going to throw out the whole idea of God in general. I'm not saying that's always pride, but I think we have to be careful to not let that those those past wounds become this barrier where ultimately we're pointing our finger at God for for things that he did not do and we're we're angry really at these people who who were pretending to to be the the spokespeople for God but they weren't and I think we just have to be careful to differentiate between religious experiences that do not reflect the character and nature of God and, and to not let those negative experiences then lead us to kind of just throw out the baby with the bathwater and, and throw out faith in God as a whole. But I think there's just something, there's something that happens in my own life and what you're testifying to that I can so relate to those moments where, where I'm humbled. And there's, there's so many verses that say like God is like some, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 34, where it says God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Um, there's a verse in Isaiah where it says God the place God dwells, the place that God lives, it says in the high and holy place and with those who are humble and contrite in spirit. So like God, God has like this special focus and attention that, that he puts on those who are just, they're humbled and they're broken. And I think they're just recognizing that they need something. And I think that Jesus, the one of the most famous sermons, Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn because they'll be comforted. And so what you're expressing is just that I think these circumstances that came and I think you just responded to it in humility and saying, God, I, I need you. I need your help. I don't understand all this. And, and I think even coming with like, I feel angry, at, you know, whatever emotions you have, I think it's okay to come with all the, the, the junk. I mean, I think being really honest is like, I did believe and I believe as long I exhausted it and basically believed as long as I could. But I really had to, at the point where you're at, you really have to start, like, I can't stand in front of a door that basically there's information there. And whatever information is there at the, on the other end, it's like, I need, I needed to know. And I never, being really honest, I never gave up my faith in God. I 100% believe in God and everything I see. I've always believed in God and God's been there even prior to having um, a faith, a belief in religion. God has actually saved my life and kept me out of harm on more than one occasion. So that speaks volumes. This is before WMSCOG and God's always had his hand over me and has protected me and has taken care of me. And the fact is, is like, I'm blessed for the things I have. I just needed to basically test my faith in this. Um, finally find out if it's real or not. And it would have been okay if there's going to be people that slander every faith, right? Even right. you're the most wholesome Christian or you're believe if you go to a church, a Bible-based church, and you say that this is a truth, even somebody outside of that, even if there's no flaws within the doctrine, they could still basically crucify you and ridicule you and say, no, 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 that's false. And in this point, I need to know. And when I came across, like, basically I came to this. And then at that point, it was like, as if God just opened it up and showed me within the books, within Aung Song Hong's books and started pointing to it. And then I came across Mike Winger's uh, videos, your videos. I started looking at the previous members experiences. And when then you see the people that you have at one point shared, you know, we've shared bread and wine together as far as like, we've sat there in the Passover um, we've sat and had 
lunch and dinner together at the same Zion um, and studied together. And so when I see them, it's people that had exited in 2007, um, even up to members who have more recently exited. These are people that I knew. Like, I don't know Jordan um, specifically, or Jeremy, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I don't know him. He was in another location mm -hmm. within, you know, within the U.S. But I'm very familiar with those members whom have already come out. And these are members, they were longtime members. So what were the things then, maybe maybe two two questions I have that, that um, I'll kind of let you talk about is one would be, what what were kind of the initial doubts while you were still in the group? What were the things that you began to see? What were the questions you began to have, the concerns you began to have about this group that led you to leave? And and then after that, what I want to know is what things, you know, you, you, you feel like you started to see more after this prayer when you woke up at night. Um, the second part of this would be what what things did you start to get clarity on about the church, about the falseness of it? So two parts there. The For the entirety of just all the years accumulated, even if there were some droughts, like dry spells for me where I wasn't attending, um, I would go back to 2012. So at that point, I will tell you, whenever I studied, there was nobody ever at that moment saying the world's going to end in 2012. Like there wasn't a leader or anybody that came to me. It was the members whom would be like, oh yeah, you know, mother said that the world's going to end in 2012. And I heard it a couple of times and I told the members specifically, and I'm not one to rebuke or correct because by all means, I'm a sinner. I am not perfect. I hadn't attended every service. So I'm not there to basically place anything else in anybody's face. But when they say this is coming out of mother's mouth. So at that moment, as a member, she's God, right? I'm not saying now. Right. No, I get you. You're in the shoes of being a member still. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, we don't go around saying that this came out of mother's mouth because unless you heard it from the horse's mouth and not making fun or referencing to her as a horse, <laughs> I get you. Yes. Because you know, when people are talking about their experiences and the backlash, I'm like, it's just, it's a euphemism, I guess, or let's not take it literally. But don't, don't claim that she said that because I didn't see a video. I don't know that she's, she's in Korea. She's not here with us. Don't come claiming words that didn't come out of her mouth. And yep. then another member, no, the General Assembly, they even said we have to prepare because it's all going to end. And I was like, mm, I haven't seen anything like that. I think people were getting... I don't know, just jumping the gun from my experience. It's like I said, we didn't have a study that anything, there was nothing I could point to specifically. I'd never had a study and nobody came to me, an elder, a leader, a pastor, and said the world's going to end in 2012. So when I'm hearing this from the members, that was where basically they kept saying it and then the time came to pass. And it was like, okay, well, that time came to pass because um, I'm not sure if it was a sermon from general pastor, one of them. And it was like, basically the overall theme was, well, God has to wait because we're not prepared. We are not spiritually ready at this moment. So, so this was after, after it didn't happen. After yeah, 2000, after yeah. Past, now we're in 2013 and okay. time's come and gone. And it's like the time's ticking and basically it didn't happen. Yeah. I personally didn't expect it to happen. So I because, wasn't sure to take it back. So what you're saying is that you weren't necessarily hearing to the end of the world in 2012 being prophesied by the leadership is, is kind of more just members that were communicating about it. And a handful. And at that point, considering I was in a smaller branch, I wasn't, you know, the previous assembly and the branch that I was baptized into, there were hundreds of members going into a branch church, which started out in a house at that point, at most, I would say I'd seen 30 of us members and that included the children and adults and stuff. And during feasts, sometimes you'd see more, but that handful, just a handful of them. I'm like, I don't know where we're getting this information because yeah. I have that. So I, think I don't 
want to start jumping the gun and assuming right. anything. So I don't know. Can you see my screen right now? Okay. So I'm, what I'm sharing is, is an article from the, uh, the examining the WMSCOG.com website. And this is, this is where I would assume a lot of the, the rumors or the, the, the talk amidst members about 2012 were probably originating from. I, from what I've heard, most of the 2012 um, discussion seemed to be taking place from the members, but I have definitely heard a lot of testimonies of people telling me that their their leaders were prophesying the end of the world. So I think think it was probably more of a rarity that the leaders were doing that, but I think that was happening in different in different Zions where the leaders themselves were the ones saying that. And that's probably, I would guess that's where the rumors originated. And that's why then the members probably began to spread that more. But uh, I, I would, I would wonder how much of it came from, from this, like this is, this is uh, an article again from that site. This is something that I, I, you know, I know you got a lot more to talk about, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but this is just from the, this is from Ong Song Hong's book, The Bridegroom Was a Long Time in Coming and They Fell Asleep, um, where I believe Ong Song Hong himself actually predicted the end of the world in 2012. And so my my guess is that the leadership, uh, some, many, and then again, this is just, this is just my theory. I would assume that probably many leaders were aware of this teaching, probably even mother herself, and they were probably influenced by that. They probably certain groups, certain Zions were being taught that um, and, and then probably just started spreading. Um, but, you know, what it all comes back to is it's all on Ong Song Hong making that prophecy, which did not happen, which is problematic. But um, anyways, I'll let you go on. I just think it's important that 2012, that's, that's, a, that's kind of a significant error or flaw you can find in this group particularly for Ong Song Hong. Um, and this is something that members or, or people listening, I would hope you, if you're not aware of this, that you go and research that. Um, I'll, I'll put the link to that article in the video description. Um, but I would, I would suggest that if you're not aware of this, that you would go and look into it. Cause I think there's definitely some false prophecy type uh, activity that went on in that teaching from Ong Song Hong. Um, spread in the church. The leaders were, were, I think in many cases, the leaders were teaching it. And uh, it was a failed prophecy. It didn't happen. And, and that caused, you're saying, you saw kind of a mass exodus at that point because of that? Yeah, it was coming near the end of 2010. It was at the end of 2010. When I, you're saying the exodus that I witnessed, that's when I was still in the original branch that I was baptized into. And that's when the... That's why I say the first exodus or when things started getting real and we had meetings. So the Sabbath was going on. It was on a Sabbath and we'd had three services. And so I got there in the morning. And I started noticing that there was announcements or however it ended up. I was told that after the end of the second service before the third service that I was going with my group and we were going to go into the small sanctuary. And we went into the small sanctuary where I was gathered at that. They had it pretty packed. There was a couple groups of us cause they had us like we had our own groups. So my group and I don't know how many others were packed into the small sanctuary where at that point they had told us that there were certain members that had left and they were, members that had been there for a long time. They had been members that had visited Korea. They were very influential. They were, um, even if they weren't say deacons, missionaries, etc., we were very, very well aware of them. So it was kind of heartbreaking is at that point, when you see somebody whom has probably helped you along in your faith and you've studied with, and to see somebody that you thought was solid, like, in my, my eyes, I'm like, good, could, uh, could they be one of the 144,000? When you see how much of their time, dedication, <sighs> when you see that, believe me, there were, a <laughs> there were a lot of tears that day. <sighs> 
So you're saying you were witnessing people that you had kind of looked up to, people that in your eyes were firm, solid in this faith, kind of the ones with the answers. They might even be part of the 144,000, but now you are witnessing their faith in this in this group it beginning to fail. It was it was heartbreaking because I witnessed that's what I was um what I didn't like is in that room when I was there were a lot of us I can't count I was sitting in the very front and they showed us a video they expressed who these people were told us if they contact you um do not answer the phone or if they come to you you know they just told us not um Basically, if they reach out to you, don't get in contact with them. If they call you, don't answer the phone. Um, they explained, you know, that they had fallen away. And at this point, I witnessed the leader standing in the front of the room um, that told the lie that, you know, this person couldn't have been, um, they weren't really a child of God because they didn't go preaching door to door. And I was sitting there looking at him and I just, stark face, like stunned because I'm not going to dispute this in front of 50 plus people, but me and him went preaching door to door together. And we actually bore fruit, brought the person whom we had preached to during our, the encounter, we went preaching door to door. We went preaching at the university. We went preaching at the mall. And I was thankful he was preaching door to door with me because um, not every neighborhood is equal, just so to speak. You know, I'm not taking us, not slamming people's neighborhoods, but sometimes it's nice when people have street smarts as opposed to maybe have more street smarts and more experience. And so as we're preaching, it was like, there was, I want to say there was one house we came across and we go and he goes, no, Nicole, let's go ahead. You know, it's probably best. Let's go here. And I said, okay. And for whatever reason, I think he was using his discernment that he didn't want to put us in physical harm, you know, although I understand God's in control, but I was thankful in that moment that if we're going to door to door that I had him with me. So yes, he did preach door to door, maybe not as often as they would have liked. So, so basically when people fall away in this group, what you witnessed is that they were almost immediately demonized and, 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 accused of being false or fake. Um, I think in a lot of instances, you know, there's their character is called into questions. They begin to be accused of, you know, that they were, they were sinning in different ways. Like I think sexual misconduct has been put on different members that have left. And so almost immediately, rather than the leadership kind of in a humble way, stopping it and saying, okay, wh why, what is causing this person to doubt? Let, let's just answer these questions that they have. Let's look at their concerns and let's just answer it because these are, this was a legitimate got person who had faith. They have legitimate questions and doubts. Let's give them a legitimate response rather than doing that or acknowledging maybe some places where they, they may have been not walking well, or maybe issues within the, the doctrine that could have could have caused this person's faith to fail rather than any sort of humility and like acknowledging or trying to help this person um, or, or just give legitimate responses to this person and even to the, the congregation. It sounds like they just sort of begin to demonize them and make them out as if, oh, well, the only reason they're really leaving is because they're evil and they're just a terrible person. I mean, whatever, if they, they want to say that they lost their faith and of course, they're not going to give us the specifics of maybe interactions they had with them. Right. They gave what was on the surface. And at this point, all we knew is that they've fallen away. They're, they no longer believe. They're no longer going to be coming back. And that's that. But then when another one of the members who had been there for a very long time, they had come from the previous church prior to the LA branch that I was in. So... It went from an office, I believe, in L.A., then it went to what was the church within Sunland. Then we were in what they called the L.A. branch, the main one that really had grew. That's when a lot of uh, members started going out and opening up branches or not. 
can't say they opened it up, but anyways, they were sent to the branches that were established, like say in Seattle, then there was Phoenix and they were branching out into different areas within the country. So we had Seattle on Phoenix. So it was at the end of 2007, I started to watch it grow. Well, then 2010 comes, we're talking about that. And in that setting, well, where I have to listen to what was an outright lie that yes, he did go preaching door to door. I was with him, me and him also bore fruit together. We had a sister come in that was baptized. So I, one of the other members, she was very, very involved. And me and her went to, I believe it was Sam, Sam's club or smart and final. And I mean, she really put her heart and soul into it too. I mean, she really gave of herself, her and her husband spending, you know, their money. And a lot of us had done things because out of free will, mm-hmm. you know, but like, yes, you have your ties and we had our um, Zion offerings and we had our offerings and then they called the free will offerings. <laughs> I mean, at this point, that list of offerings is just like a slip like, honestly, you could just as much as there's a lot of offerings and you'll give and give and give. And I never had an issue offering either, but not to get off topic, but when I'm watching in that moment, that room, that, that particular evening, what had taken place, um, I was also instructed on that evening not to bring in the fruit that he and I bore since she hadn't been attending as regularly. And they thought if at that moment she heard this, she'd never come back. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had asked, actually asked the elder, I was like, I'm using elder in very vague terms because I don't want an issue with anybody saying, well, she's on there saying this about anybody, you know, I was like, yeah, right. Yes. No, that's, that's good. I think I probably should have mentioned at the beginning, but just, just kind of the, the disclaimer for even this video as a whole that will, you know, try not to mention specific names and also that the things we're expressing about the WMSCOG specifically are our opinions. Um, I think I want to continue to say that in these interviews that we're, we're sharing, not what we are saying. Uh, we're, we're not accusing the WMSCOG of any sort of illegal activities. We're just sharing. Mostly, I think I'm coming from a biblical perspective about their doctrine, but then also just some of the behaviors. We're sharing our opinions about what those are and the problems that we feel exist within this group. And so to substantiate that, this is just my experience and this is my opinion. I'm not here to, I'm not trying to attack them. I'm just explaining my experience, what mm-hmm. I went through I'm there. And by all means, I'm not coming here like I'm righteous or that, you know, by all means, I feel. I fall short of a lot yep. of, I fall short on a lot. Yeah. So I'm a sinner as well as everybody else. I'm not perfect. And I have my own spiritual things and my own relationship with God to work out. So you're, you, you are just sharing your personal experience. What the things you saw, the things that happened to you, the things you personally witnessed you're not ex- you're not necessarily saying this this is going to be everybody's experience but but I think these things that you're sharing especially when combined with all of the other weight of the other testimonies that that we've you can go and watch that we've already done with former member testimonies and the ones you're going to continue to hear as we continue to do this they all they're going together and they're telling they're kind of all telling the same story is that you're going to hear member after member kind of sharing these same same similar experiences and, and and which I think just goes to point again that this organization as a whole has some tragic flaws that I think ultimately are rooted in a spiritual emptiness at its core that ultimately at the core it's worshiping false gods and it's 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 teaching and proclaiming a false gospel um and and ultimately, I mean, this is harsh, and this is this is maybe a, a religious, uh, uh, pious sounding statement, but I think it's 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 coming from the the devil. Is is that's that's my conviction. I believe ultimately this is a, a Satan masquerades as an angel of light, is what Paul says. He, his ministers put on costumes of righteousness, of like ministers of righteousness. Satan, that's the disguise that he wears. And, and and ultimately, what it what his goal is is not to get people to not be religious, not to get people to not, uh, uh, you know, have this religious zeal. But ultimately, he wants people to miss 
the, the, the gospel, the free gift of what Jesus did for us. I think that's, that's so offensive to human minds that, that Jesus came and he did it all for us. And what he did is enough. We don't need somebody to come in the future and do more than what Jesus did. And I think that's what cults always do, is they always say what Jesus did is not quite enough. Something more needs to be done. And, and that, that when you hear that, you know that that is a satanic lie that is trying to distract and distort and minimize the huge significance of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and what he meant when he said, it is finished. I've, I've done it all. There's nothing more that needs to be done. I want people to know that I think at the core, this this whole issue, all these conversations, there's so much, many aspects to it. It gets, sometimes gets so confusing. There's so many things to focus on and talk about, so many prophecies to try to refute, so many, so many books and teachings. But at, at the core of it, I think it's so simple. When you compare the gospel of Jesus, you look at who Jesus is, what he said he accomplished, and then you begin to look at just simple things that the, the things they say about Ong Song Hong and mother, it really is a very simple thing. And it comes down to these people don't understand Jesus. They don't understand what he taught. They don't understand what the New Testament says about who he is and what he accomplished for you and for me. And, and that's what it all boils down to. I'm personally, I didn't have horrible experiences. I wasn't, I don't feel up until now at all. Even at this moment, I was never demonized or had horrible experiences. Um, they pretty much, when I say left me be, I would leave on a Sabbath and I would go to Starbucks. And I would pretty much not say do as I please. It wasn't like I was just prancing in and out and doing, you know, anything that would have been questionable. But at the same time, if I want to drive down the street as an adult to go get a Frappuccino, then that's my free will to do so as much as it was my free will to attend. And so I'm not even putting the years that I spent in this and basically blaming anyone. That was also my choice. That was my free will. And I wholeheartedly believed up until 2016 rolled around and I had already backed off. And then when members came forth, they told me their experiences, um, told me things that would not shed good light. These are the things that WMS COG would not want people to know. And that's for somebody else and their experience to tell. Um, by all means, I'm flawed and I have things to work out, but I never doubted up until now that An Song Hong was Christ, nor did I doubt that Zhang Gilja was mother. And it's like only been the last couple of weeks, but because I asked for the truth, it did take a huge burden and a weight off of my shoulders because I want to have that relationship, that honest relationship with God. And God's like, okay, if you're asking, you know, I'll show you. Well, then it's like, I come into this information and being able to open up the books and then get to those verses as well as print out the PDF of the chapters that had been removed. And only two in this, when we go into this, that I'll reference to where it's very clear. So this is, this was my problem. I believe that on Song Hong was second coming Christ, 100%. Didn't doubt. That's why at the point where I also didn't want to go back to service, because if I'm having doubts and I'm not certain, I have to face God with this doubt and God already knows my heart and mind. So I might have already, uh, I might have already fallen from grace and was already being sent to the fiery pit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, okay, so is that going to be my fate? I'm going to end up going, I'm going to go to hell. And no, that's not a settling thought. At the end of the day, I have a family and children like everybody else. And at this point, I'm like, well, living in the United States for this year in 2020, this is pretty much as close to hell as I can imagine. And I'm not saying I don't ever want to say, can it get worse? Because the minute you say that, you know, it's like, don't ever ask. But it's right. like, Seriously, I want to know, is there hope at the end of this? Will God show, you know, go, will God reveal the truth? Will Jesus, you know, will I be able to have that relationship with Jesus and come to know him? Can I be redeemed? Can I be saved? And the fact is, I, I now realize I was never saved in the first place. Do you know, do you understand mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So all these times I'm thinking, I have faith in God. I've, I'm good. We have the doctrine. We have the truth. But when I look back, I mean, I have a sermon here that the one of the leaders had given called 
the second coming of Christ and the last judgment. And this is, this wouldn't be in the books, but it actually in, I have all the verses here and it said that Christ's second coming and his judgment are two separate events. And I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me the second coming of Christ has already come. And then he's going to come again because he brought salvation. Now he's coming to bring judgment. There's two separate events. Like how many second times is he coming? Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. He's going to come once to bring us salvation. He's going to come and give us judgment, uh, bring judgment. And I was like, the only verse that they had was from Isaiah 66, 15 through 16, that basically says the judgment comes with fire to execute judgment upon all men. And then from there, it's basically like, well, if he came and did that, then nobody would be saved. And I was kind of confused because at this point, now he's got to come a third time. A third time, right. That's something that I think I think deserves probably a full video to go into because I've been I've been thinking about that lately. Just the uh, the the descriptors in the New Testament, the way the New Testament describes this the second coming specifically, what what's what will take place with the second coming and. And uh, this is something, again, probably I, I want to hear more of your story, but I think it's worth touching on and maybe, again, making a video on in the future. But the second coming, what the New Testament tells us is going to involve places like, uh, I think, First Thessalonians. It's going to involve the resurrection of the dead. It's, it's going to involve judgment. It's going to involve, uh, yeah, things that you do not see happen, did not happen at, at the coming of Bong Song Kong. And, and I don't, I don't see any 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 evidence in the bible for a second and third coming um but i think i think yeah that's something that probably deserves its own video to go in and look at what does the old and new testament say about the second coming of jesus what's going to take place when that happens does that fit with ong song kong and what happened when he came and i think it's it's so evident so clear it they don't match um but having said that i want you you said that you were kind of the thing then, if I'm understanding right, that really started to cause your initial doubt was this mass exodus, but then sort of the demonization of these people and, and even some of the lies being told about these people that you had seen witnessing and you had seen that they were real, they were sincere, and, and suddenly because they left, now they're being kind of accused of, of they never had faith. And and that, that sort of behavior that you saw Again, if I'm understanding you right, you're saying that was kind of was one of the initial main things pushing you to leave. Um, it's planted the seed. When they say, what kid, you know, if you have a faith the size of a mustard seed. So basically, when that happened, of course, it's going to spike your awareness. And I was very aware of it. I was there. And then the time times going forward. And of course, it sits in the back of your mind. And then. 2016 rolls around. Now I'm in contact with previous members and they tell me their experience. And that was fine. I believed it for them. It just wasn't enough at that moment because I hadn't come across this, but I am very thankful that when I prayed a couple weeks back, this comes to me and the truth is right there. I'm thankful that on song Hong wrote these books. Why? Because WMSC OG missed editing some of the things out where it, he specifically states um, in those chapters that were moved, he 100% that referenced and alluded to the fact that he was Elijah. And that at that point, he said that just as spiritual, um, the physical Israel, there's 40 years, then there's 40 years of spiritual Israel. So from 1948 to 1988, he specifically even says, if you don't mind me just going, no, there, go ahead. And which book is this from? This, These were the chapters that were eliminated from what was the brown, then became green book. So this would be okay. from the mystery, the mystery of God, water of okay. life. We'll not be able okay. to find it because they were edited out. Right. Those, those are the chapters, which the other organization, which the WMSCOG had branched and broke off from, um, they put it out there. So it's available for anybody that wants it. And he specifically in here would have been chapter, the original chapter one was restoration of Jerusalem and the prophecy of 40 years. 
And it says, historically, Elijah does not have a father, mother, genealogy, beginning of days, nor end of life that ascends to heaven. And um, basically, at this point, when we've studied, they, the studies with WMSCOG will use Christ as um, in relation to Christ in relation to Melchizedek, because here mm -hmm. he specifically talking about the relationship between Elijah and Melchizedek. Well, at WMSCOG, they use this and they've changed it to where all of those teachings will reference second coming Christ and Melchizedek's relationship. But on some home clearly wrote that basically he was always alluding to the fact he's the prophetical Elijah mm -hmm. and that he also tells us um, since the Israeli nation came to independence in 1948, it makes it 1988, 40 years after 40 years after will the world really come to an end at that time? He was at that point saying that this should be fulfilled as well as when Elijah comes to pave the way for Christ, that it will be Elijah and it says here, this will be in chapter three. Uh, I'm sorry, is it chapter three? Let me see what it was originally. Chapter okay. 30, chapter 36, Elijah will be sent. Um, it says, John the Baptist is the calling of Elijah who was sent to prepare the way for the first coming of Jesus. John replied to the people's question. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord saying that he's fulfilling the uh, mission of the prophetical Elijah. And you go for forward in this chapter and here. He references, um, however, the last Elijah's mission was to restore the destroyed church by reviving early faith that was present in the apostolic age jesus had said in mark chapter 9 verse 12 to be sure elijah does come first and restore all things these words did not only refer to the first coming of jesus but also applied to the second coming of jesus where elijah had to be sent in prior to restore the corrupt parts so what words is when it says these words don't only refer to the first coming but the second coming what words is it talking about i mean this is all in a chapter so i've highlighted specific parts where it okay. becomes clear that there's no you don't have to figure it out or connect dots he's writing yep. it here so if i back up um do you have the pdf available i do i'm not i i have it here on my screen I, i'll and i'll i'm about to screen share it if i can find the place where you're at what page what page are you at it would be hard <laughs> to say because they're not numbered but if we go to chapter 36 elijah will be sent yep okay and so then there's um Headings. Okay. Like in bold. Yep, I see that. So when we go back under the bold heading of Elijah the prophet to prepare the way for Jesus's first coming, the first paragraph under that I highlighted where it says John the Baptist is the calling of Elijah who was sent to prepare the way for the first coming of Jesus. John replied to the people's question I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. If you fast forward, so go forward and um, then there's another uh, bold title where it says past history is a shadow of the future. Okay. And this, this by the way, uh, the, the chapters you're reading from, these are three chapters originally that were in the green book that have been removed entirely which is hugely problematic um, for many reasons. Um, but you can find all of this information. You can find the three chapters that they removed of Ong Song Hong's own teaching. Again, this is from the examining the WMSCOG.com. Um, I'll link to this article as well. So you can go, and this this is this has that entire chapter um, about Elijah that, that you're referring to, where you can read Ong Song Hong's own words. So anyways, go ahead. You're at the past history is the shadow of the future. Right. And so I just highlighted one thing where it says Ellen G. White. So you have to go down. So we're one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. So basic, basically eight can't even be full paragraphs because some of them are just sentences. Mm -hmm. I think but I see a, where it is. 
Can you see it? Yep. Ellen G. White had also written about the last Elijah as follows. Elijah was a symbol of the saints who would be alive at the time of the return of Christ. You go forward. So then we have another um, bullet, bold title or heading Elijah the prophet to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. So we have to go forward. So at the very end, before the next heading, before the next bullet, bold title, where it says Elijah the prophet will be sent above that mm -hmm. in his, I guess, call them four chapters because they're all separated. It was said in Malachi chapter four, verse five. Do you see that? Yep, I see it. Okay, it was said in Malachi chapter four, verse five. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful, dreadful day of the Lord comes. No matter what age one is in, where when there is no prophet, there is no truth. However, the last prophet Elijah was the one to convey the last truth of preparing the way for the second coming of Jesus. The history is repeating. John the Baptist had sent good news for Jerusalem as a prophet who prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus. However, the last Elijah's mission was to restore the destroyed church by rever reviving early faith that was present in the apostolic age. Jesus had said, Mark chapter 9, verse 12, to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. In conclusion, these words did not only refer to the first coming of Jesus, but also applied to the second coming of Jesus where Elijah had to be set in prior to restore the corrupt parts. So then that next um, heading, Elijah the prophet will be sent. If you go down to the bottom before the next um, title, that's in bold, that la those last two paragraphs. Yep, I see them. So here it says, because the first actual Elijah had ascended when he was alive, the last Elijah's Elijah's mission is to transform and ascend while he is alive. The last Elijah's mission is to transform and ascend along with the live 144,000 saints. Therefore, when the day of the second coming of Jesus nears, he will first send Elijah the prophet. And who would testify fully as if one is seeing the first coming of Jesus and he will therefore return. In conclusion, the very last uh, three paragraphs Again, they're not even full paragraphs. Yep. The very end of this chapter, those three um, paragraphs, Elijah's situation is similar to the one of Melchizedek's. Most of the people recorded in the Bible have their parents' names or genealogy identified. But Elijah and Melchizedek's parental names, genealogy, and their day of their beginning and end are not identified. The final Elijah would come to an end by finding and testifying all the truth that had been trampled during the Dark Ages. That Elijah... God Jehovah as the final judge along with the 144,000 saints will be transformed into angels and ascended. Malachi the prophet said that Elijah the prophet will be sent last. What does this tell us? I'm not asking you know, but I'm like if we if we will not be fearful and we want to test our faith, like I know that I'm speaking of someone that stood back and I didn't. But when you see that for yourself and you're reading those chapters, you now know why they were omitted. I don't know if they were, they obviously must have been omitted before um, they made the green when WMSCOG got a hold of those, when they decided to go ahead and distribute it. I don't know if they even included these originally or they just decided since they were branching off of the NCP COG that they needed to be eliminated because at that point there was a separation in belief. And which, you know, they, they talked about, too, how the early church, when you have the Eastern and the Western church, and they branched off. And so you have the Eastern church, which would have been the early church with the truth, and then Rome with the Western church. And I'm sitting here saying, I'm like, well, they always say history repeats itself. What happened here? Wouldn't it? My thought was when I started to come to all of this and I started just seeing it, wouldn't it be more organic to stick with the original church and they need to work through all the disputes, all of the disagreances and come to truth and not split off. I mean, really when you come, you got to go backwards, I think. So you're going to tell me the new branch that comes out. Now they have the truth yet. The one that he established himself, that his, his sons and his family are a part of, they're all right. false. Yeah. I, 
here. Last night I was thinking, you know, I'm married and I was just imagining, imagine your husband coming to me, imagining my husband coming to me and be like, honey, I love you, but I got to tell you something at this point. I need you to know I have a spiritual life and it's, and I'm like, oh, really? Like, you know, just thinking, how could this play out to have to explain to her, you're going to sit in the pews. Right. And, you know, I'm going to be giving sermons and this is the, I just couldn't even. So you're referencing what took place with Ong Song Kong. Just at this point, I couldn't imagine. Could you imagine he, you're good enough to marry physically? Why wouldn't he just pick his spiritual wife? So it's like, you don't have to like. Yeah, there's some, yeah. I'm not saying that's the way it unfolded. I just couldn't imagine being the physical wife. And here's this, I don't know how I would internalize this. It sounds like there's just a lot of things that are, that you're beginning to see clearly. It's like some of the blinders maybe are coming off and you're like, oh my gosh, this stuff, it's there. The information is there and these huge glaring issues are there. Um, but maybe that that's that quote that you just went through from those, the, or those quotes from the chapter, tell me from your perspective, as you're reading that, what, what do you see from that, that is problematic. What does that say to you about about what's wrong with with the WMSCOG and their teaching? Are we, are we talking about this? Yeah. Because these were these were on Song Hong's words, and if we're believing that this is our God, as much as it says in Revelations, do not take away nor add, you know, when we get to Revelation chapter 22 verses 18 through 19, I believe Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty specific that you shouldn't take or add. So if this is a person we're believing in, here's kind of just the logic. If I believe in him as second and coming of Christ, right? So I'm like, let me see what he had to say. If he's telling me he's Elijah, then if I believe him, I can't believe in what the WMSCOG says at all. Because he's telling and alluding to completely through this that he's Elijah, and he's he's making a clear distinction between Elijah and Christ. Elijah is not Christ. Elijah is somebody preparing the way for Christ. And 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 I would need to read through that, but it, there's some things in there I, I don't know if I've ever heard. It sounds like he's saying that Elijah himself is part of the 144,000. Was that was that correct? Or he would be, or he would, he would, he would ascend with the hundred forty-four thousand, right? So, so, so again, he's making a distinction between Elijah, who he's claiming he is, and Christ. And what he's saying, what he's teaching, is that when Christ comes a second time, even at the his description of the second coming, doesn't from that it seems to go completely against what the WMSCOG claims the second coming involved, because he's saying the hundred forty-four thousand will ascend, unless I read that wrong, with with Elijah at the second coming. The last Elijah's mission is to transform and ascend along with the live 144,000 saints right there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a problem. And I think... His first coming, but he... Yes, at the end. Yeah. So, and, and what you said, you really summarized the problem with that, is ultimately what it comes down to is if... These are Ong Song Hong's words. Like you're saying, this is who you guys, if you're, you who are listening to this, who are part of this group, you're being told this is your, this is God. This is Christ returned a second time. He has words. He has three chapters of teachings that were removed from this book. Three chapters. Don't you want to know what he said? If this is your God, don't you want to know what he taught, what he thought? Don't you want to know what he what he said about himself in these chapters? And, and then ask the question, why why did the WMSCOG see it necessary to take those out of this book and to not let you see them, to not put those teachings in front of your eyes? Well, if you go and read them, go and read what Ong Song Hong taught and wrote, you're going to find out why. It's because what Ong Song Hong taught about himself, what he taught about the second coming, it does not line up with what the WMSCOG agenda is for you to believe. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with their agenda. It doesn't fit with their doctrine. And so they had to take it out. They had to remove God's words in order to fit with, in order to keep their doctrine protected. Don't you see the problems with that? Don't you see the, the gigantic conundrum that that creates on so many different levels? Um, 
and and ultimately what it boils down to is is if you you said it so well if Ong Song Hong is God as you are believing right now go and look what God taught and what you're going to find out what God taught is that he's not God <laughs> he taught that he's not God he's Elijah and so this this is huge and th- these are this is just one little taste of the the evidence and the issues that exist within this group and their teaching. This is just like dipping your finger in a little bit to just one, this is just one example of so many uh, of the the contradictions and the problems that you're gonna find in this group if you do what Nicole is doing. You get to that point where you say, okay, I don't, I want the truth, whatever it costs, whatever it takes. I just wanna know what is true. I'm giving my life to this thing, my emotions, my mind, my time, my money, I want to know, is this true? So my encouragement is that you go on the same journey that Nicole's on and you just start asking these questions and you be brave enough to pick up the chapters, pick up the books, go to the examining website and look into these things. And and I'm confident if you're doing that with an open mind, you're going to discover that this group, it's not what you think it is. And it's something that you need to separate yourself from. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast. 